0: So, it seems useful today to talk more about chitta in meditation, training, or the process of cultivation, chitta. I'd like to touch into topics of samadhi, jhana, uh, wisdom, and so on. So, uh, wish me luck. So, so bear in mind that this is uh, a kind of uh, you know meditation is not exactly <laughs> it's a process. It's it's a really a whole life process whereby you know the right attitudes and the right views and the right kinds of behaviour the results of those occur in citta. Of course they do. Of course, your actions affects come from your chitta, affect your chitta, all the things that you've done and been done to you, of course that will affect your chitta. You can't start with a blank sheet. You you are already in it. <laughs> it's already happening. <laughs> yeah. And it always will be happening. And so, you know, we start we start well okay, you start in the middle of something. And um so it covers uh, behavior, circumstances, lifestyle—all this is going to be affected by, and can be enhanced, uh, clarified, settled, made more more useful, profitable, less destructive, less uh, injurious to oneself and others through cultivation. And uh, this cultivation can lead to. Degrees of liberation. So the word liberation is used in various ways, like liberation of the mind from ill will. This is the development of metta. Yeah. So the word liberation can be used in a kind of slightly less than this complete and full liberation, which is the ending of the asava or nibbana, the unbinding of these tendencies for the mind to leak out into becoming and sensuality. But even liberation of the mind from ill will, you know, from feeling sour, bitter, resentful, uh, um, irritable, um, towards c- critical towards oneself and others, just to get the mind out of that rut would <laughs> 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 be, know, that's already a blessing, isn't it, worth working on, <laughs> because there's plenty of things you can find fault with. <laughs> in the human condition but does it do you any good <laughs> mm. so um, so there is a source of happiness and look in the first of these quotes and this is um, saying to 5540 it's we want to dwells diligently, gladness is born There's a certain sense of enthusiasm to be, to be vigilant, careful, attentive gladness promulgia the gladness that's dwelt upon, lingered upon embodied, fully uh, made much of jitta settles into it, rapture is born mind is uplifted by rapture Body becomes tranquil. The jumpy, nervous energies are really soothed. Stagnant stuff is cleared. Rigidity and contraction is softened. Your body becomes a nice, smooth, comfortable place. Well, you say, well, it doesn't, how is this going to affect my knees? Or my? <laughs> well, it's really talking about the nervous system. You yeah. know, so and the idea that you just focus on the, the good bit, <laughs> because anybody this is the well, one—I say the interior body. So every, every body is going to be affected by, you know, cold and heat and um, wounds and so forth and difficult physical contact. So we're looking much more at the nervous energy body, yeah. which uh, says it tense and rattled, jangly, uh, or is it you know settled and comfortable? This is done through chitta. And so as I said before, you know, the energies of citta and the energies of the body run in parallel or symbiotic. So when the when this when your nervous body, your nervous energy body, your sensitivity, your somatic energies, however you want to call it, your uh, they, when they pick up the happiness of the citta, they uh, they settle and when that's settled the mind the chitta becomes very suka comfortable at ease happy the mind of one who is happy is concentrated becomes concentrated yeah. When the mind is concentrated, phenomena become manifest. One can see the can see phenomena. You're no longer wound up in them. You're no longer so entangled in it. You can't even see it because it's you are it. <laughs> you say, Oh, that's that's that. That's a thought. That, you know, that's not me thinking. That's a thought happening. That's not me having a mo. That's a, that's a mind state passing through. That's not me. This is that you know we can witness mental content without, rather than being in the content, you can be with it, rather than in it. You see what I mean? So in a sense you can then you can relate to it. You can let it pass. You can contemplate it. You can you know challenge it. You can question it. Since we're not in the content of the mind, we are we're witnessing because the citta has now has a a place to settle, which is not in this, you know, mind states. It's in a subtler realm. Mm. Another way, another more extended passage, which says similar thing. This is the Anguttara Nikaya, book of the tens. Things about number two. I'll give you the reference later. For one who is free from, if you, one who is virtuous and follows ethical norms, then there's no need to make an effort, an intention. Could I feel freedom from remorse? It's quite natural. It's dhammata. In accordance with dhamma, in accordance with natural naturalness, the one who is, whose mind is attuned to precepts and ethics ethical values have self-respect they sense that in themselves you linger in that experience then you feel oh you know, nothing to regret no regrets you know whatever other people think or say no regrets and that's just that sense of relief so you don't have to keep defending yourself you know, against you know guilt and opinions and so forth you know, Feel confident, freedom from remorse. If one is freedom from remorse, there's no need to to make a particular effort. May gladness arise in me. Yeah. So there's actually there's a sense of oh, you know, gladness, a sense of uplift. Because uh, you, know, you feel the weight, if you like, the weight of all the things that could be wrong, or should, you have this clear space. Well, I'm living worthily. I feel comfortable. I, I'm living with a sense of self-respect and a gladness, a real appreciation. Primulgia. and This word, Pomoja is a, is part. The the suffix pa is generally an intensifying suffix. It it, it means, and it's connected with the word mudita. So mudita and moja, they're the same root, which is a sense of real deep appreciation. So this is a very thorough kind of deep appreciative experience if you feel gladness. You have to, of course, linger in it. If there is um, this, then the mind says one who is, has this pumulja, there's no need to make a particular effort or wish, oh, I wish I could feel refreshed and uplifted. Piti says, no it's quite natural. this will happen. You can feel a sense of refreshment and uplift. Mm-hmm. And then for one who has that piti, there's no need to make an effort or incline or intend or an effort of the will may my body be relaxed my body will be relaxed, it just happens that way body is relaxed, there is no need to make an effort, may my mind be at ease, my mind will experience ease when the mind is at ease there is no need to make an effort, may my mind be concentrated when the mind is at ease it is concentrated When the mind is concentrated, there's no need to make a special effort. May I understand and see as it really is. If you linger in the the experience of the steady, stabilized mind, you will see things clearly. You'll see what can be seen clearly. Mm -hmm. Then we move into the seeing qualities. Again, because we've been handling, feeling, lingering, tasting, (laughs) you know, soaking, and now things are clear enough, now we can do the seeing. From samadhi you can have insight. So insight is the kind of seeing that can occur from the stable stable mind. One who is um, has, the mind is concentrated, will understand and see things as they are, as they have become, yata which means um, how they and jnana, how things have become mm. this is because of that this is because of that that was that was triggered by that that was that was that that's that you will see the the phenomena all the process all the experiences that are becoming something caught up in existence Jnana dasana knowing and seeing mm. Mm. one who understands, knows and sees it with no need to want may I be, may I be uh, disenchanted and detached disenchanted and dispassionate one will become disenchanted and dispassionate mm. one who is disenchanted and dispassionate no need to make an effort may I experience the knowledge and insight of liberation if one is disenchanted with sangsara no longer interested in no longer fascinated by it no longer getting stirred up by it just enough, enough, enough not my story anymore (laughs) not, you know I no longer under the spell the promises (laughs) and so forth, no longer yeah, it's enough you've had enough (laughs) and so the mind turns away from phenomenal and it turns into itself and liberation from phenomenal world, which is marked by sangsaric tendencies. So phenomena themselves, more specifically the phenomena not samsara, but the, the energies they stimulate are samsaric. If we're not clear about phenomena, their transitoriness, their unsatisfactoriness their non-identity If yeah. we're not clear about that um, then what happens is sangsaric patterns occur we get into wanting and fighting and craving and wondering and identifying and comparing and contrasting and anguishing and hoping and wishing and dreaming and spinning off <laughs> it's when one can have this ability to witness phenomena, means mind states um, you know that which touched the perceptions and feelings moods, mind states all that's just passing yeah you know, and not something you want to make a big thing out of you know, enough leave it alone leave it alone turn returns into itself mm. so that's. That's the kind of process map. You see, it's obviously a pretty big map in some ways. You just spread out the map of the planet, (laughs) planet, planet human, (laughs) the human planet. It's a large map when you look at the planet. You know, the planet of the mind, territories we can cross slowly, slowly. But there's definitely a track there. The track is. Uh, you can see the track here is described as touching in, you know, touching into where the citta can feel happy. Why the Buddha said, I teach pleasure. Mm. But the happiness here is happiness that comes from the citta's own intentions rather than sense contact. It's a feeling of bright intentionality. Right, right, you no. Harmlessness, honesty, truthfulness, generosity, straight speech, non-abuse, yeah, Yeah. you can detect when the mind is, particularly with speech, when the mind has been gossiping or saying some not very pleasant things, slightly sour or bitter, you go back to your mind and think, oh, it doesn't feel really good, does it, yeah, (laughs) sour, yeah, yeah. So then what it's just a straight, clear, honest, non-judgmental, yeah, this feels that's, that's right. A craft, a craft of speech, the craft of thought even, to think what's necessary to think, to say what's needed to be think, as clean and straight as possible, yeah. and then the results one is free from the kind of hangover of bad thoughts and bad speech. The hangover of deceitful conduct, manipul- manipulation, uh, bad-mouthing other people, um, pushing people around. Um, um, yeah, Just binging and gratifying these kinds of things that People do. When the chitta is not centered, it, it just rocks around. So you put it on that ethical train. When The view is right. Recognizing whatever we do or we'll say is going to leave its results. So, you know, look at the results. You want to have more of that wrapped around you. Fitness, sourness. Um, no. No. So you, you learn, chitta has to learn and be trained. And then the results, not just being a nice person, you feel good, feel clean, yeah. feel clean. And uh, just really getting this uh, this is not about righteousness, this is about happiness. Yeah. Um, and to make much of that, we just, you um, know, inherited somebody just passed away in a local town, and she had a house with things in it. and He left it as a bequest to the sangha. This person had been, I think, been in prison for what, paedophilia. So obviously, he had some confused stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. And so they went to the house, and the house, he says, it's strange because the house is a complete jumble, and it was hoarding, all kinds of stuff hoarded, books and tools and tons of stuff, some of it never even used, you're just hoarding things, and it was a mess. But it's funny, there was a Buddha in there, and the area around the Buddha Rupa was spotless and clean. (laughs) Yeah. So, and there's one thing he, he had that, and he could respect the sangha, and he wanted to make an offering. You know, if only he could have just widened his shrine a little bit <laughs> to clean out the, the mess. You know, if you could just linger in that in one spot in his mind, or some area in his mind was was bright and pure and clean. If you could just lingered in that and dealt with those shadows and those intoxicating influences then you know the the, the house represents the mind <laughs> you look around yours <laughs> as without so within you know so it's, it does it tells you something and you don't just the house but also you look at just your, your physical house and then your you know the people you associate with and where you go. You start, with, hey, get get a, some feedback on that. And how cl- how clear and bright is this? You know, and could it? by could you look at that? Look at your whole lifestyle and see the areas that are okay, but they're not. They're a bit dingy. You know, <laughs> could you clean that up or put it aside? What are you doing that for? You know? So you you enhance, you spread. You linger it and you widen that because it feels good and bright and you enjoy it. And then renunciation then becomes quite, quite easy. It's a strong word, but the sense of oh, this is just stuff. I don't, you know, I like, like the clean space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this sense of then you, but then there's a feeling that really there's an authority uh, within, you know, you're taking, having authority over your own Pleasure—a pleasure that's not derived by something outside, There's something here that you can, yeah, you can cultivate. It's your pleasure. It's not pleasure you bought, or yeah. It's a, that gives a tremendous sense of you know, confidence. So, we so, you know, we're looking at things like speech and action. Cultivation and uh, relationships with others, and the way we relate to others—all uh, this is going to the citta And then, if it's been thorough, attentive, diligent with that, then you can sit back and yeah, tink, drink it in. I have good friends. I have people who I can respect, people I can trust. That's that's quite an attainment already, Indra. In that. So these are various ways in which one's, you know, behaviours and actions can give rise to uh, gladness. You know, even while I have did make mistakes and I've seen that and I've determined that understood it, now I'm going another way. Glad, gladdened. This um, rapture, the word piti, can mean one feels refreshed. So rapture can sometimes the sound of it can seem like you're really, you know, <laughs> almost drunk, and it can be intense, but it's, it can also just something more gentle, refreshed, uh, bright, and you notice this in certainly in um, people who. Are, Living a contemplative life and uh, living purely, there's a certain radiance about them because the the system is clean, refreshed. Mm. Mm. And this is certainly, you know, lifestyle is a big part of that. And the effect on the on the nervous system, the somatic effects, and really important to find this possibility. Yeah, because you know if one is you're living in an urban situation, particularly you know going around, then you pick up all the you know like fly paper, walking through a, a, a dusty. <laughs> turmoil, and <laughs> you can easily pick up all the all the stuff, the, the rapid firing electronic movements of everything, jumping to get your nervous energy jumping around because you've got to rush to get on the through the, the turnstile, and you've got to rush to get this, and the lights flash and the buzzer rings, and you've got to rush there hurry up to get this, and push a button here and light flashes up and you get sort of, eventually you get trained to be like a Machine, or you know, so then, so how much of that do you want? Mm. 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 And if you have had to have some of that, do you spend time cleaning it, cleaning off, slowing down, getting something with nature, fresh elements of nature? You know, forest people, forest monks always prefer the forest. Mm. If it's noisy or cold or uncomfortable, because it's clean. Mm. Mm. When one can't meditate, well, then just spend some time with, with nature, and it will it will do it for you. Can't meditate? Find some good friends. They'll help you. Mm. And if one has those resources, one should feel privileged and glad. And then again, okay, settle in that. Spend some time recollecting, and settle into that. And then the body re- rests refreshed. Mind can be at ease. Sukha. Lingering in that. And this is perhaps the process of um, where the you word know, jhana and samadhi starts to appear. The notice here it says you know uh, the 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 precursors are the you know are happiness Mm, degrees different degrees of agreeable feeling based on the mind. That's those are the foundations. Yeah. Uh, so then samadhi happens because the mind is settled and comfortable this does ask us to review what we mean by samadhi and concentration is the standard word but uh, there are I think, various uh, negative or or misleading nuances of that because normally worldly concentration is done as a Kind of narrowing of attention, like a hard, often in the head, like you concentrate on Sudoku or figuring out a plan or narrow point. Often visual concentration. So, if this was the case, then everybody who studied, did a PhD, would have good samadhi. Everybody who inspected, you know, inspected cans of fish would have good (laughs) samadhi. Everybody has that pinpoint attention. you know, yeah. mm. would have good samadhi. Perhaps even burglars would have good samadhi. They've <laughs> got that high degree of focus. So, no, <laughs> that, that isn't mentioned. Uh, I think the focusing is part of it. But, you know, you see, the, 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 that's the frame. Mindfulness acts as the focus, the frames. But the quality of what's being framed is blameless happiness. That's the quality that we're, we're framing up. yeah. And so really, strange enough, mindfulness is a form of concentration. <laughs> it means you're with this and not with that. And you stay with this. And you frame it up. You hold steady with that. And you persevere with that. And so you want to get the resource of a uh, agreeable, agreeable qualities that arise from blameless sources, internal sources, and then your mindfulness frames it up and you linger in it. And the mind may rock around, jump, trying to get out, and this, that, and this, that, and then you it. And there's a sutta where the Buddha talks about his own struggles with this or his own issues with this. It's the 128th Sutra of the Majima Nikaya. It's called Upakilesa. When he's talking to these, some of his disciples, who are, I think, they're Arahants. And so they're saying, Oh, you know, we have this thing about our meditation practice. And the Buddha said, Oh, yeah, I had that too. He said, Yeah, I used to get these kind of lovely senses of space and light and subtle forms. And then my mind would get excited. And then I'd lose it. other times my mind would get stagnant and I'd lose it. Other times my mind would space out and I'd lose it. Uh, So I'd have to rig it. Where did I I lose it? Where did I lose it? I lose it when I got too tight. Uh, Okay, next time. Now, I I lost it because I got too loose. I lost it because I got too excited. I lost it because I wasn't responsive. So he keeps checking out. Where did he lose this quality of a steady, you know, and he says he experiences some kind of radiance or basa, the radiant jitta. And so he's experiencing this, and oh, then he gets excited and he loses it. He experiences it, he grabs hold of it, it disappears. he Experiences it, he loses attention, it disappears. So, so he said, yeah. And he said it's rather like trying to hold a quail. You know what a quail is? A bird? And he said, like if you hold the quail. I mean, you know what a quail is—a <laughs> little bird. And if you hold it too tight, you end up killing it. you Hold it too loose, it flies away. So you've got to learn how to hold that quail just right. He so said, "This, this is the image he uses for holding the chitter as it's starting to, you know, come out. And it's a little bit frisky, and it's easily. And you hold it too hard, then it gets stiff. And you hold it soft enough. He so said, "This, this is this was the." Then when it's settled, then we say this is the when the samadhi is settled, then this is the uh, they refer to this as you you know the meditjana. And uh, um so it's Majima one two eight, that sutta. Um So you see there's quite a lot of wisdom in there as well. Wisdom would mean the ability to... So again, the word panya doesn't necessarily mean having a profound lot of thought. It means having the skill to discern. That, 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 just like a craftsperson. You no, know, that's too hard, that's too soft. Put it right, that, that's right. You know, that di- di- t- discriminating, uh, s- savvy, know-how. So here wisdom is know-how. To how you handle an object, how the, how the jitta can be handled, and this is a, certainly a trial and error experience. But what you can find out is that you get feedback from the chitta. So this is this is the process of meditation. We're really getting feedback from the chitta. Like you're not, you're squeezing me too hard. <laughs> you're not holding me hard enough, firmly enough. You're not interested in me, you know. You're too interested in me, you're getting <laughs> so you get excited. So you got into this kind of feedback process with your own jitta, till you say, okay, now we're steady. And then, it, okay, now it's settling. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of um, skill, skills to be cultivated in that process. Right? Um, like as I said, so samadhi is, is a result i mean it sometimes uses a verb samadhiati, which means I, i'm settling i'm settling the mind the mind is settling it's settling it's samadhiing yeah and then oh now it now it's a result it is samadhied. so it's more like a verb and it's this sort of sense of samadhiing but it's it's a, a sense of settling and then it, once it's settled it is consolidated yeah. And uh, these, these, this is a you know, where, where it's used in this sense. It's much more dynamic, uh, but it's not not a head bound. It's also called ekodibawa, um, which means ekodibawa which means unified, ekodibawa become one, um, unified. And this means that the mind is not going in different directions. It's also the body energy and the heart energy and the mind energy are all in harmony. When I talk about mind energy, I mean the thinking process. It's the thinking process scattering this way and that way. It's steady, level, just what's necessary, nothing more. Just purely reminding you, nothing more. Not spitting your stories. And the heart energy is comfortable and happy. And the body energy is settled. And those three unify, the energies merge. And then you have this jhanic sense of jhana, it's there where thinking mind is still able to note what's going on and remind and so forth. Um, and so this is sort of what's being referred to. Now, if we, you know, I mean, I'm not saying this is something that's that easy to do. But, uh, or or even you've got to get when you can't do it, it's just getting intense about it because that very you can't grasp openness. You've got to be skillful um, and unfortunately, you know, Jarrett, the world has moved along uh, in, in Buddhist history, and particularly say in, in Theravada, it moved along through various lineages and generations of commentators. In which it acquired a kind of rather almost supernatural quality to it, whereby you don't, you know, you're transfixed into also a hypnagogic state. And so, so you can do this, it's very ple- pleasant. You're stuck in this jhana, pleasant until it finishes and then you drop out of it. So this is a nice break, but you know, you can do these little breaks, go off into jhana with a bit of work. And you're in that, stuck in that for as long as it lasts, and it peters out, and then you're back here again. So, end result is it's okay, but it's, it's kind of doesn't go anywhere useful. It's a dead end. What you really need is vipassana. So, so that kind of they made jhana into something that was almost slightly suspect, like a bit of an indulgence, um, and you could you could bypass it. Uh, uh, and so that that line of thought has uh, become quite standardised in many of the Theravada lineages to the point in which they say, "Don't do jhana, because you get stuck in bliss." You know, I think, well, okay, I'll go. For, you know, I'll I'll pay the price. I don't. I'll stop stuck in bliss for a kalpa. I'll, I don't mind. I'll do it. <laughs> It's never been a problem for me, actually. <laughs> so, and then you, you, unfortunately, you get a rather, sort of, you, you, then you get contentions, you know, different schools, and you get arguments over you know, what meditation is, and jhana, and vipassana, and so forth, and the whole thing gets rather uncomfortable. Uh, you know, And also rather difficult because the the kind of jhana described in the Vusuti Magga is pretty unreal. And I think you could probably do it, but it seems to be a a kind of fixation on mental images that arise in the mind. So um, I think the process of that, just to digress a little, is you you gaze at some light or a kasina, which is a disc until you can see it with your eyes and your eyes closed you can still see it and then you focus on the image in your, in the, in your mind until you get another sign light comes up and you focus on this little sign little shining light in your mind and then you stay with that and then you know jhana or something like that and this is called the nimitta another word you might stumble across nimitta so have you got the nimitta yet and, uh, which means this special light that you can see, which is not a visual light, a light in the mind. If you've got the nimitta, then you're you're on track for jhana. Um, but unfortunately, the word nimitta has moved along ways too, because we look in the suttapitika, nimitta is, is used, but it means any defining characteristic. So, you know, you might say, well, that that's a, a nimitta could be, the defining characteristics. so that, that's a female body has these characteristics to it, yeah. so that's a female. Yeah. Um, cat has these characteristics, as a cat. What the defining marks, cats have fur and teeth and claws and purr, that's their nimita. Uh, so it, it can be used also as um, even like the defining marks around a temple. Well, you can give ordinations are called nimitta stones it means that defines these little the stones you create a, a square made of stones those are the nimittas it means these are the stones that define in that you have there's your ordination platform so these are called nimitta stones uh, the buddha says the nimitta of samadhi is the four satipatthana right so this isn't a light so it says the nimitta of samadhi is the four satipatthana. So, in other words, the defining characteristics, the boundary markers you know, within which samadhi arrives are the four foundations or the four establishments of mindfulness. So, this word nimitta is used, but then it's, uh, there's a general trend um, in, in, in the traditions to take something that's more kind of colloquial and broad. And make it technical and narrow, more you know, specialised. And if you go back to the suttas you'll find while well, these light light limiters, there's no mention of them. You know, there's no mention of that process. So you could do it, uh, but you don't have to. And, uh, and 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 this is really, I mean, just for safety's sake. To be serious. Because people blow their fuses doing this stuff. <laughs> it gets so intense. This is sometimes why teachers say don't do jhana because you're gonna have a crack you're gonna crack up. You get people get so intensely fixated, then uh, the mind loses its moorings and we start to get visions and think we're enlightened or or sometimes the mind just breaks down because of too much intensities. And it does happen. You know, you have somebody who's been with a stream entry one week, and then next week in a psychiatric unit. <laughs> because, you know, they thought they had something, they got something through some intense effort, but what happened was the jitta got so compressed it snapped, or it fell apart. So you've got to go somewhere. Then, then they put off meditation for life. They're traumatized by meditation. You yeah. know, so this is through intensity. You yeah. know. And as I say, there's, there's no amount, no limit to the amount of damage the jitter can do <laughs> to itself if it's not directed properly. So we really, you know, be quite serious about it. You really start to review these things. Say, look, this is based upon, you know, ref- reflecting on good qualities, feeling comfortable and at ease, feeling happy and peaceful, lingering long with that thoroughly letting it happen it may not be dramatic but it's safe and it's going to take a time ta- take time but if you start getting pushy and forceful you can really do yourself some harm in this <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so if you you know if you don't you find your mind isn't settling down into stable state don't keep pushing it it's the time to review. And watch that unstable state and be dispassionate towards it. Okay. It's contemplate you know, impermanence of that. You know, this is just stuff that I'm going through right now. Right now my mind does not settle down at ease. Yeah. But instead of reacting to it, the wisdom teachings are, yeah. You know, that we don't, uh, this is impermanent, this will change, this is conditioned is not self maybe the chitta is just working something out in its own way just kind of throwing up some old residues perhaps it's just vomiting things or has to you know when sometimes people just have to unload and they dump stuff <laughs> you know? maybe the chitta is just having a unloading session where it just comes up with some crazy thoughts but don't follow it and uh, and uh, be be aware of the how you relate to that. It should be steady, stable and peaceful and with goodwill. And you know, when we feel really lost and confused and don't know what to do, just go back to virtue, kindness, proper behavior, stabilizing that. There is the stabilizing. And then pick up whatever feels comforting from that, lingering that stay a long time with that stay out of the danger zones and settle mm. modest modest practice mm. someone was asking you know about uh, me- i mentioned the other day about Ajahn Mahabur sitting his ten hour sessions every night through the three months and say dear does, does everybody have to you have to do that to get into jhana no, no, no! He wasn't doing. He wasn't doing jhana. He'd already done some jhanic practices, and this was his investigation. And uh, he was investigating the nature of feeling. If you want to know what feeling feels like, you sit for ten hours. You'll get a very good, you'll get a very good exploration of feeling. It's, it says it's like your body is sitting on a bonfire. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the people are different. Imagine Mahabur is a very striking character, a one-off. Not many people can do that uh, at all, and I wouldn't even recommend people try because he obviously had some immense balami or some immense inheritance of strength and virtue. Other people's minds would just crack up. So, you know, work within your limits what you can do <laughs> and just try extending a little more a little more a little more uh, uh, and this is a marathon it's not a sprint just take your time mm. Mm. really we're trying to mean, mean that there's no conflict between samatha and vipassana calming and insight this again is a unfortunate um, dualism that's occurred um, but the Buddha in the Sutta says you practice them together Says so the, the image is used of two oxen dragging a cart So samatha vipassana together and maybe one is stronger than the other one if one is stronger you bring the other one up in line with it so if you've got the kind of mind that likes to explore, curious investigating things so there's too much of that your mind gets too too active, and thinking too much. So mind is always digging things over. Should learn also how to make the mind still, stop, still, relax, rest. Yeah, someone who tends to favour that resting, relaxing, being still, perhaps needs to develop some curiosity and some investigation, and um, vipassana insight, looking into. How does this arise? What does this thought or impression based upon? Yeah. This is this is vipassana, looking into, and always bearing in mind these um, three characteristics, um, which become more and more evident: um, quality of changeability. All these phenomena, high and low, profound, mundane, everyday, remote, esoteric—they're all anicca. You get that perspective. There's a coolness. There's a coolness. Whether it's miracle, miraculous stuff, or it's ordinary stuff, it's, there's a coolness to it. Uh, it's then your process of, of practice will be steady. You know, there's a kind of slightly humorous example. <laughs> from the suttas, a couple of them actually. Um, just again to, to look at that word jhana. Um, I'm, I'm playing with the idea that we can use the word jhana. I don't know if you, it's just a British idiom. We say get stuck in, when the Buddha is saying jayati. You know, get, get really get into it, absorb, get on with it, do some work, get work at it, get get in there, absorb into it. So, it's a sort of an exhortation. And uh, so, but, but some, because sometimes they translate jhana as absorption, and sometimes they translate it as meditation. Whenever you see the word meditation in a, in a suttas, that, that's, that word is a translation of the word jhana. Because of, they're using two words, you don't necessarily <laughs> get the full, you know, full coverage of what's being talked about. So here's, so here's what happens when people get into this wrong kind of absorptions. Absorbed, fascinated, engrossed. They get stuck. While he harbours sensual lust within, he meditates, premeditates, meditates, and mismeditates. These are all different forms of jayati. So he says even the hindrances can be forms of jhana. <laughs> In other words, if you are gross and absorbed into a hindrance, you get a you get a sensual lust jhana, <laughs> or you get an ill will jhana. <laughs> You're completely absorbed in ill will. And he says, just as a donkey, just as a donkey, unladen, standing by a doorpost or a dustbin or a drain, develops jhana. <laughs> this is how these misguided disciples develop their jhana. <laughs> So you can see the word can be used in a number of ways. Uh, uh, and it's this sense of the mind picking up something and you know dwelling in it and lingering it until it's, it's kind of the energies of the mind are, are fed by that object. So then we want to find skillful object to be fed by one that are cooling and agreeable and in line with, um, with virtue and peace so let's take a short break